You are listening to Historically Present. Well, hello, everyone. Hello there. Welcome to Historically Present Emergency Podcast. <laughs> podcast. I don't know if you've been living underneath a rock in the past uh, tw- less than 24 hours, right? About less than 12 hours. Yeah. 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 But uh, Russia is going through some things right now. Turns out um, the battle in the east is actually very close to uh, Moscow at this point in time. So, anyways, we have a lot to go through. But we thought it was fitting to play this song. And maybe Serge can enlighten you as to why it's the specific reason here. This is uh, Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake, which was played in repeat on loop when the Soviet Union actually collapsed. And we thought this was kind of a fitting homage <laughs> we, to we, to what's actually kind of happening right what now. What we think is is happening. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So, uh, oh my goodness. Where do we even start with this? Because yes. this, is, this has been, again, just breaking news just about every minute. We're hearing something new. We're hearing uh, new developments and seeing them. And so we thought... You know, why don't we just jump on a emergency podcast, share with you guys some of our perspectives, um, but also just try to make try to make sense of this um, yes. and kind of see where things are. I mean, listen going. to to quote the great Lenin. Okay, the great Lenin. The great Lenin. <laughs> there are decades where nothing happens, and there are weeks where decades happen. This is this is. There, there's days. This is a day when the decade is happening. Basically, uh, this is the only time I may we may ever get to say this. It seems like history is happening faster than AI. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So, yeah. Uh, so, what's going on? Yeah, as uh, as we <clears throat> as we dive in, um, and and there, uh, just a just a quick 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 thing to note here. This is going to be our attempt. Like I said, this is an emergency podcast. We're not coming to this with a ton of stuff that's like outlined of everything we want to talk through. This is more so going to be, we're going to be going through this in real time with you a little bit, a little bit of pre, I should say, what we know from what things started, and a little background, and maybe a little bit of our own little thoughts on maybe kind of the, the guy that's taking front stage here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, this, this is going to be a little bit different. So, without further ado, enjoy this ride with us. And we will be playing probably multiple audio clips oh, yeah. in real time with you and comedy. Yeah, so. this this is, um, we, we try to get a live stream set up, but uh didn't quite work out for us. But um, regardless, I think it's important just to bring up some of these things and uh, explain what's what's what we think is happening and, and uh, what a lot of the world is seeing happen yeah. in real time right now. So, um, again... We are seeing what is looking to be a. There's been a couple names for it: a, a coup, a march of freedom, a mutiny. Uh, it's looking like it's a military coup happening in in Russia. Um, and to sort of back up where where things started, because you know we like that kind of historical perspective. There's there's a couple players in this in this uh, in this play that I think are important to know about. 
Um, the main one being is Yevgeny Prigozhin. We've talked about him on this podcast extensively. He is the commander, the leader of Wagner PMC, the private military company. Um, they are a essentially a mercenary company that Putin you loved to use uh, for any sort of international quote-unquote peacekeeping missions. Um, you know, if you read between the lines. It's <laughs> peacekeeping should be in quotes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, heavily, heavily in quotes. So uh, he would send Wagner to places like Africa, where there's instability, or to Venezuela, that sort of thing. Um, he rose to rank, and uh, I have a clip I want to play a little bit about him. Um, kind of who he is and what what's actually happening. So here is this clip from United Media, United Twenty Four Media, that talks a little bit about who Prigozhin is. So let's take a listen, and this will hopefully fill in some of the gaps for you to kind of explain the the kind of person he is. He paved his way as Putin's cook, recruits Russian convicts to war in Ukraine, and landed on the FBI's most wanted list. Who is Yevgeny Prigozhin, the Wagner mercenary's boss and Putin's longtime troubleshooter? He is an ex-convict who served a 9 out of 12 years prison term for fraud and robbery. Upon release, Prigozhin went into a hot dog business that cooked his way up to the Kremlin. By catering Putin's birthday back in 2003, he won the Russian leader's trust and multi-billion state contracts as a bonus. The catering tycoon has long stayed in the shadows, enjoying extreme luxury. After his troll factory meddled in the American 2016 elections, Prigozhin was indicted by the U.S. court. He boasts of bossing the Russian shadow army, named after Hitler's favorite composer, Wagner, Wagner, and used to hammer deserters to death. Wagner's hired guns helped Moscow occupy Ukrainian Crimea and are a growing presence in Africa, where they seize diamond mines and help convicts get out of jails to send them to fight in Ukraine. After the EU parliament recognized Russia as a state sponsor of terrorists, Congratulations. Prigozhin threatened the EU with a blood-stained sledgehammer. So, yeah. That's uh, it's a lot of information there. He's not a good guy. He's a terrorist. No, he's uh, he's not a good guy. <laughs> it is uh, very interesting to think how <laughs> you got released from prison and yeah. started a catering business. Yep, with hot dogs to eventually win the favor of Putin. And the military, so he, and the military, yeah. So he, <clears throat> excuse me, his um, his catering company, really, where he's getting all his wealth from, is supplying a lot of food, food products to the actual Russian military. That's how he became an oligarch from this. So there's a couple of things here that you need to know about this guy. Number one, he's the guy that is, you know. "Quote unquote," he's the guy that people say, "Hey, we need we need to have X done. Give it to give it to this guy. Yep. Give it to this guy to go do whether that's Syria, Ukraine, whatever. It's it doesn't matter. Quite frankly, 
name any country, maybe even, uh, where there's been ever a Russian presence uh, that's ended in some conflict. So yeah, that's the case. Now, there's a couple things to note with that right off the bat that I do not think is being talked about enough. So the initial assessments, and to be very clear, these are assessments. Everything is in a fog state. Yeah. But he has been on the front lines. His group was the one that was fighting against the Ukrainians in Bakhmut. He eventually did. They eventually did take Bakhmut. Now, of course, they did lose Bakhmut, but... He, they did take Bakhmut. He signaled that. At a very, very heavy price. Though. At a very heavy price. But that is, it's interesting because I, I, I see the, I see how he's, how he's like working to build the structure now more than ever. Yeah. I mean, it's always hindsight. It's always 2020. Yep. But he's been saying, this is ridiculous. We're not getting enough stuff. What's going on? And he's criticizing the Ministry of Defense, primarily. Yep. As a matter of fact, he has not gone after Putin. Um, I would, I've never heard him call out Putin at all prior to like the last five hours under a very different circumstance. Yep. Is that correct? He he has he's insinuated a lot. Um, I think he it, in in general he is an actual Putin supporter because you know he Putin obviously gave him right all this power, gave him all this wealth and and influence. Uh, however, he has had some some in, innuendo or type of a, you know... Well, he's definitely talk. had some issues. Yeah, he's had some issues with Putin. He's called him a... <laughs> he called him a happy grandpa, which it just sounds way funnier in Russian. It just sounds hilarious. Um, obviously referring to Putin and some of the... I think a lot of times when he's talking, he's truly referring to Putin himself with dissatisfaction, obviously... But he's not calling him out by name, right? At least um, openly at this point. Openly at this point, yeah. So um, the other thing with this, I want to note from what I have observed and have had to realize, and this is one of those things where there there really isn't a, a substitute substitute for this because he is the guy that has been quote unquote like doing the bidding of the Russian arm or military desires. Yeah. He, he has obviously had to figure out things a little bit more uniquely with logistics, supply. The fact that he was feeding the army is a good case for logistics in and of itself. Yep. His troops are veterans. I'll be very clear on that. I think this is something that nobody is quite stating properly right now. Yeah. These guys, they might not be like completely special forces guys all the time. Yeah. But these guys, well, they've been getting at it for the last six months in, you know, or yeah, it's almost six months now, Bachman. More than six months. More yeah. than six months. And once again, as uh, our friend of the podcast would say, <laughs> just based on the name. Oh, no. Peter's Ryan McBeth. Macbeth. Oh, yeah. Ryan. I'm so sorry. Ryan, sorry. Just quickly spaced on your first name there. I'm going to get the full name. Anyways, Ryan McBeth would say, the ones who survive tend to learn something. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there is now the situation where he's had all these guys, the ones that have survived. Okay. Uh, there's also been some statements. So he's been criticizing, saying, hey, we've not been getting enough supply. 
There's actually an argument I heard that obviously this is all foggy, but I think this is some legitimate thoughts here. A couple things. The stuff they did capture from the Ukrainians, they're going to use. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, the stuff they were getting, they they definitely did use in Ukraine, yep. but they they also hoarded it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember he was complaining about... Uh, he was... Because he was complaining, I'm not yeah. getting enough stuff. And the concept here is like... It's interesting because they were... Because this is part of this concept of like, oh, the Russians aren't giving him enough stuff. And now you're kind of wondering like, did they kind of know like, uh, we don't want to give yeah. this guy a ton of stuff. Uh, but, you know, for obvious reasons, they needed to give him something. He, anyways... He's equipped. Like it's not like this guy's just running around with. He's got veteran forces. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Um, and from what we have seen, and I'm going to talk specifically prior to mostly this morning, from what we've seen when they came and they basically turned their stuff around and headed right into Russia, and. They seemingly took everything with very little resistance. Yeah, hardly at all. Hardly actually. at all. There was yeah. the Ministry of Defense building there. Yeah. In Rast, how do you say the name? Rostov. Rostov. That was important for being kind of the headquarters for the Ukrainian op- operation. Yep. And <laughs> they took it. And now there's been video footage of him hanging out with the Ministry of Defense people that are there. The deputies, yeah. Now, yeah. as one person stated, they're unarmed. <laughs> and, <laughs> he <is>. and he is. <laughs> and he yeah. is. So, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. You, you tend to, you tend to, like, I don't know, maybe, even if you're flipping, you're flipping because, you know what, I do want to see tomorrow, you know, or something like yeah. that, right? So, uh, but it does seem to be this case, and uh, the guard that was there does actually seem to even have now fallen in line with Wagner. Am I wrong on this? Like, I, I mean, I know there's been like some like pot shots here and there, but nothing major. And everything that has happened has been from some guys, you know, in in some helicopters yeah. that came a couple times and, and strafed some things. They have started to blow up some some. Uh, reserves of like fuel yep oh yeah um yep so keep in mind people i was trying to explain this to my wife yesterday it's well let's just put it this way we don't really understand because i don't think we've ever seen this no but like it would be like the military there's there's somebody like encroaching on dc and then they start bombing all these like oil refineries on purpose to slow things down as fast as they can. Yeah. I understand why they're doing that. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, we don't understand that because we've never seen U S military fight against us, fight against U S military. Yeah. Or I, I I actually kind of told Allison to be like, it's kind of like if the Marines and there's probably some Marines who listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I think you hopefully can hear, hear my humor in this. There's like some Marines are like, you know what? We're sick of the night Navy. Just yeah. always. <laughs> I know they write our check, but they're such <laughs> jerks to us. <laughs> like, and the, and the Navy's like, uh oh, um, type yeah. type scenario. So, yeah. uh, anyways, 
Yeah, this is super complex. Um, I want to back up just a little bit to some of the stuff that you were talking about. So um, Prigozhin's Wagner group was obviously there's tons of them in Bakhmut. Um, yeah. Bakhmut is about five hour drive from Rostov. And so this started on the 24th or the 23rd of June, which was, which is yesterday, yesterday. to us. Yesterday, um, yes. We're recording on the 24th. And they had a column or it's, it obviously this was well planned. This has been something that Prigozhin has been planning for a while just because he's been hoarding the equipment and, and he's been thinking, right? He's what like, if, what if Putin made a snide comment when he was catering yeah. and so back? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get you like back. A, this is like a 20 year grudge. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Uh, so he, yeah, he, him and his forces started moving and, and this is where, the panic really started because you know Peter and I were both on on Twitter and I'm like are you seeing what's happening here they're they're starting to they're starting to, to march or drive out to to Rostov because in Rostov Rostov on Don is the is um a huge city 1.1 million people in Russia it's uh if you're looking at a map it is directly just just basically east of Mariupol, right? So there's that land that this is on the Sea of Azov. Um, you can see kind of how it it uh, just points just about directly east of Mariupol. So it's very close to Ukraine. And the reason Rostov is very important, like Peter mentioned, is there's the, the southern command of the Ministry of Defense in Rostov. This is where uh, the... Essentially, the planning and the execution of the war in Ukraine, Russia's war against Ukraine, was was held there. This was where the the, the primary people responsible for this were actually located. And so, um, this conflict really kicked off and has been going on be- between Wagner and the Ministry of Defense for months now, right? With just kind of feelers here and feelers there, and and seeing who's happening, who's doing what. But what's What's interesting is that the Ministry of Defense allegedly, according to Prigozhin, mm-hmm. bombed the Wagner group from the rear. So Wagner was fighting against Ukrainians. Right. The ministry, the Russian army, bombed Wagner. And once again, the 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 Russian ministry, the the leader, you know, one of the leaders of that, like question has been very much called him out many times, like many times. Yeah. And so this happens. And quite frankly, at this point in time, you think to yourself, it could be an accident. Yeah. yeah. And he also say it could have been on purpose. And you could also say it never happened. Right. Any of those statements, it didn't matter. This is basically the moment he's like, I'm I'm done. Yeah. So he uh, yeah. full 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 bore. I'm doing this and kicks off and he goes, right? Yep. He, and he's been sort of hinting at just his displeasure and the, yes. the other character in this in this play in this story is a guy named Sergei Shoigu who is the min, who is the Minister of Defense. Basically below Putin, the second guy in charge of and quite frankly a tool. Yeah. Uh I think highly I, corrupt. Highly corrupt. Insanely corrupt, actually. Yeah. Um, 
has zero actual military experience. Um, no, that's I, I think I can't understate that yeah. enough. Yep. Even I have like this <laughs> feeling inside of me, yeah. even though I know how terrible this you know Brigosian is. Am I saying that right? Prigozhin. 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 Okay. Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of, a lot of there's a lot of consonants. I'm in sorry, name. Peter. This is hard for Prigozhin. Okay. Pronounce pronounce names. I have yes. I've said his name multiple times yeah. trying to get ready for this. Okay, but here's the thing. I mean, at least with Prigozhin, you're like, okay, I have some sympathy for this guy because he's like actually on the front, like doing stuff. Yeah. Every now and then. Yep. You know he. For what it's worth, and maybe this is part of his, like, maybe personality, cult of personality, however you look at it. It's like, I'm feeding these guys. Mm-hmm. He, I actually, as much as I feel like he has sent a lot of men to their death in Ukraine. Yes, a lot. I would also say he still has some level. <laughs> Sorry. Of just a little bit more appreciation for human life. At least he's playing that, at least, yeah, and stating that. Then I would say Shoigu does, by any stretch of the means. And if you're a guy on the front lines, who are you going to respect more, anyways? Right, Prigozhin, who's like just maybe hundred meters back exactly. every now and then, comes sees yeah. you, or Shoigu, who's sitting in, you know, a, at a comfortable desk, saying, "Hey, this is what we're thinking we should be doing," yeah. and stuff of this nature. You know, stay right. stay true. I don't know if I've ever heard of Shoigu ever coming to the front. Period. As Is that right? As, we, as far as we know, I haven't seen any video documentation yeah. of so him that, coming. To that the front. that statement right there, and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, it's, it's such a trivial thing, but I think that's even something. If just remember us as Americans, when when out of the blue, Bush showed up for the Thanksgiving meal, yeah. and, and, yeah. and I think even served it, yeah, and stuff like this. That sent a new precedent of like morale. Listen, boost, right? we're once again. It seems strange. I don't think that even happened like during Vietnam or I mean, it's it's, just, it's just stuff like that that like there's a little bit more of an endure, enduring, you know, it's like a little more respect at least in that capacity. Yeah, even if you don't appreciate, it's like oh, there's some respect. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, and and I think Prigozhin has just been over the last couple of days. You know, he's been using Telegram to. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing just, this is a coup that was started with basically voice memos, which is just crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Welcome um, to 2023, man. I know. And he's been... Telegram, right? Telegram. Telegram is like, yeah, is is the, the app that everyone uses in Ukraine and Russia for communication. And it's like, you know, our, our iMessage or whatever here. Um, but he has been surprisingly candid about what's actually happened with the Ukraine war. So one of his previous videos that I think he published a day or two ago, it's everything's kind of blurring right now, but he was essentially saying Ukrainians did not start the war in 2014. Uh, they were not bombing civilians as Russia loves to claim that they were started bombing. Now civilians remember this is Prigozhin who's saying yep. this. This is the guy who is actively, we're going to, well, yeah, he's yeah. he's actively attacking Ukrainians, but also he's finally sharing the truth with the Russian people. Listen, yeah, right. I even it's so weird. Like there's that there's that slight pers- personality now. Me as you're saying that, I'm like, he didn't want 
even though I don't think he cares. But like, there's that party where you could just see that little element of like, he didn't want in this. I mean, he wars is like his thing, so this is what yeah. he was going to do, and he was like going to help the motherland, quote unquote. Yeah, but he wasn't happy about it. It kind of reminds me, by the way, if World War II history reminds me a little bit of like Rommel. Oh yeah, yeah. He reminds me a little. Rommel was <laughs> was a, a desert fox. Desert fox. He was a Nazi, but but he was respected even by his enemies. Yeah. And uh, honestly, yeah, I think Rommel played actually Rommel played part in a, in a coup as well. And and when that was exposed, yeah, that didn't end up so well. He uh, he was given a choice to Rommel kill uh, himself or get killed. Speaking of Russian history, just quickly, I was reminded of this. Rommel was the guy in 1944 or 43 that said, no, we, we should not go on the attack yeah. again in Russia. We should hold the line and let them crash against us. Yeah. It's so interesting. Anyways. Yeah. So as I've been saying here, Prigozhin started really just opening up and kind of exposing what's actually been happening to common Russians that have been just feeding off of this propaganda, this nonstop thing that says Ukrainians are Nazis, they're killing and they're eating their own children, that sort of thing. And he's like, no, no, no. They were attacking military targets. Uh, We were attacking everything. And so he he starts exposing some of these lies. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and, I just, and the, I'm just. And the Ukrainians are reposting this like on Twitter and saying, "Okay, what do we do with this?" Because this guy's actually, this guy's actually telling the truth. The fear, I think, with a lot of Russians and the Ministry of Defense is he Prigozhin knows a lot of the specifics of the war, right? Like, for example, number of KIA, number of killed in action, number of once again, he knows logistics exactly. And so they're thinking he's going to expose everything. And so the way, they started way better than Shoigu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. way better than Shoigu. They have pallets. Right. <laughs> the Russian army, for those of you that are unaware, doesn't really use pallets, which is just, yeah, insane. Insane. Um, and so they start yesterday for us. This was yesterday evening. They start marching or not not marching, really driving out to Rostov. And and um, a lot of stuff happened. So we here's kind of what we know. So reports that the Federal Security Service, the FSB, which is the the um they've basically replaced the KGB, right? This is the Russian yeah. spy agency, uh, actually allowed Wagner to enter the Russian city without any resistance. So that number one, that tells you, okay, this is something deeper than just one guy being unhappy with another guy or the ministry. The FSB actually allowed Prigozhin and Wagner to enter Rostov. Um, as they got nearer and nearer, we saw tanks. We saw two helicopters, um, were shot down because Brigosian claimed that the chief of the general staff, which is another another character in this play, is is a guy named Gerasimov, who is basically below in rank of Shoigu, the Minister of Defense. He actually gave them the command to open fire from aircraft on the Wagner columns. Um, and so the pilots actually refused to follow the orders. But there have been two confirmed shoot downs of helicopters yeah. and even one plane. I was going to say, and in, it does appear yep. that we have watched one plane fall out the sky. Yep. yep. 
Um, Wagner essentially, you know, they started doing roadblocks to try to get them to to stop coming, and that didn't, obviously didn't work. Um, they pulled up tanks to the Ministry of Defense building, and then there was this morning as we as we were waking up, we saw a video of Prigozhin strolling. <laughs> Strolling with some of the guys in the Ministry of Defense building in, in Rostov, and and um, so what, what's I think what's happening is there are defections uh, or allegiance changes from the Russian army to Wagner. So again, just just for clarity's sake, Wagner is not the Russian army. They're a privately funded, privately established military company that that acts as a military or or you know can do everything that a military can do probably even better in some cases because they're just a little bit more well-equipped. Um, and what's happening is the territorial forces, some some companies, some brigades in the Russian army are actually switching allegiance and moving and joining up with Wagner. We see... So, the, okay. Yeah. You, you're going to have to... And by the way, we obviously know when everyone's listening to this, everything could be different, but... The only thing I will push back on and say is, like, I just feel like I haven't seen... I mean, I know there hasn't been, like, confrontation. But I think a good example right now is you've had the planes shot out of the sky. Yep. Things of this nature. And it's not like... I mean, once again, just think about this, people. If that if that was to happen in the U.S., wouldn't there be a party be like, where are the airplanes? Yeah, Exactly. Where, why, why can't the Russian what, army? Send what are us? they? What are they doing? Yeah. Like this? There's like hardly anything about the concept of the air force. And, but put things in perspective, if you will, there's an army two hours away from Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Who? And you don't even know. I mean, what are you going to stop them? Are you going to? First of all. In this capacity, remember everyone, in this capacity, you're killing a fellow Russian, right? Yep, yep. This I suppose, is Russia. This I suppose is... Wagner might have some people that are like foreigners in it. I did suspect some of that actually, based on some of the like looks of some of, I mean, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't tell, but. It, they have ethnic, ethnic Russians and they have, um, yeah, like. I mean, what I'm saying is it looked like somebody was like from. Like they pulled them out of like, e- yeah, Eastern Russia, Eastern yeah. or um, something like that. Yeah, so indigenous Our, indigenous tribes and, and not, not even in, he didn't look indigenous. I'm talking like it looked like you pulled them from Scandinavia. Oh sure, sure, you know type thing. Um. Anyways, so these guys are, yeah, these guys are there, and so you're just thinking to yourself, am I going to shoot? I'm gonna I'm gonna kill somebody here. If I don't, I don't kill anybody. And if I don't kill anybody and they do take over, like I might I'll probably get a reprieve. Yeah. If I kill them and they do take over, I'm dead. But then again, if I don't do anything, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't win. <laughs> so Anyways, basically, at the end of the day, it just sounds like everyone who's in the in the situation where they are like SU thirty five type people, like fighter pilot stuff. It does sound like there's been people that have like I, they're not responding to orders because they just don't. Everybody's trying to figure out what side is going to win here, 
and the fact that they took Rostov so easily. And as one of the guys that was interviewed um, from Wagner, with, like on the street, he said, no, yeah, we were just here to like, you know, quick take care of something. And quite frankly, stock up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're, it's, they just got more supplies. They just got tons of supplies. The the Russian, <laughs> this is so bizarre. I, I, I mean, that's like, it's like, hey, we're going to stop at Camp David, get some more tanks, and then we'll we'll, uh, we'll head to D.C. Yeah, we'll go to Air, Andrews Air Force Base and Andrews Air Force uh, pick Base. up a couple yeah. of helos and, uh, oh my gosh. And then on top of that, you know, the people at, at the, whatever, military base are like, oh yeah, hey. Hey, we'll join you guys. Hey, we'll join you. Yeah. Hey, shoot, we'll drive, we'll drive them for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's what's happening yeah. right now, it seems yeah. like. Right? That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So they're they're after they attacked or they, you know, uh they got into the Ministry of Defense building, they had, had the chat, don't know exactly what was talked about, but obviously there is a faction inside of the FSB and the Russian military that supports Prigozhin. That just the supports Wagner, they're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of hitch our in wagon. the FSB. Oh yes. Why is that though? I mean, Putin was part of the FSB at one time. He was. Let me Carol. Okay, he was a part of the say the full name the KGB the KGB yes, which turned into the FSB. Yes. Yep. But that was of course many years ago. Yep. There's been change. The FSB. Shoot. I th- yeah. Honestly, guys, if you're the FSB, probably anything that's been frustrating to you is like. We need logistics to be able to do our job properly. Yeah. And this guy seems to just get it just a, well, clearly a bit more than Troy. So this has yeah. been super well planned. And that's what I've been seeing online is people are just kind of amazed at how well planned this is. I think Prigozhin has been pulling strings and pulling putting out feelers to contacts that he has in the FSB and in the, in the military, the Russian military, and just saying, hey, we're taking Rostov. Then after that, we're going to Moscow. Are you in or out? And I think a lot of, you know, just so some some speculation on my part here is that a lot of people in the FSB and the military know that the war is over. Um, now, technically, fighting is still going on, but they know Russia. Is, there's no way Russia can win. They're overwhelmed with sanctions. They are pulling stuff out of cold storage. You think so? Yep. The counteroffensive. Some people claim it's failed. It hasn't even really begun. This is just this is just penetration uh, skirmishes into defense lines just to kind of see where things are at. The Ukrainian military even confirmed that the the bulk of the the bulk of the counteroffensive troops have not even started yet. So they are trying to save their skin and say, okay. We'll give you guys Putin, but leave us alone after after whatever happens from this. Um, and this is kind of my my speculation of what some of the FSB and military leaders are possibly well, thinking, right? Yeah. I will say this. If any, <laughs> if, if Prigozhin can learn from our mistake in Iraq is if you do take over... You don't get rid of the infrastructure that exists. You do that, you're going to be dealing with civil war for... And he's doing exactly that. And he does seem to be doing that, to be very clear. 
honestly, now that I think about it, you look at the Ministry of Defense. Yeah, those guys probably yeah. feel pretty a little bit intimidated yeah. if they if they. But for what it does seem like so far, so let me clarify this: so far, outside of the stuff falling out of the sky, the amount of bloodshed has been, pre- from what we know, yeah, extremely low. Right. Yes. I mean, we've we've heard some like rat a tat tat stuff. Sounds yep. like little little skirmishes yep. with some small arms fire here and there, yep. but otherwise extremely low. Now, okay, can I, should we move to like right yeah. now? Yeah. Right, let's move to right now. So we have two situations going on right now. In Rostov, there is still an element that's there of, yep. of Wagner. There's also elements going directly to Moscow right now. Yep. From multiple angles, I would say that they, they've so. They've how, why, how, how do we know that, and for, why is that? Maybe because that's another way. Wagner has twenty five thousand troops, right? And they've got a potential twenty five thousand additional reserve troops. Um, they've got troops in Africa and Syria, Venezuela. That yeah, but that's some, not. Yep, I know. But some of them are looking to start joining this effort, right? So they're the, the call has been made in the sense that hey, so you're we're saying doing this. he has to, so, but this so this is okay. So one of the people said Putin has like forty hours to kill this guy. Less than that. If yeah, I would say we're already in if the forty hours. Yeah. is alive by Monday. By Monday, shoot, if he's alive tomorrow, Russia is done. If he's alive tomorrow. Right? Yeah. Because he's just got to get through Moscow. I mean, if the if he enters the city yep. of Moscow, okay, we, we're we're moving. We're kind of jumping we're around. Jumping and, all around. And sorry, guys, but this is this, this is, is just, this is the thing. This is so hard to to explain in a timeline because so much stuff has happened. So we've seen um, <clears throat> President Putin went on and uh, essentially used the word uh, mutiny. I think he used the word traitor. Called out Wagner specifically in his speech. And we've seen uh, VIP aircraft depart from Moscow and they're headed to St. Petersburg. We've seen Lukashenko, who's the dictator of Belarus. One of his private family planes has also um, flown out to Turkey. Turkey. Like. Not sure who's on that plane, right. maybe his family. Um, I guess if you're going to surrender to the West, that is probably the place to go. The Yeah, the opposition forces. Or seek sanctuary. The opposition forces and the the opposition in general in Belarus is saying this is our time to take back Belarus because kick out the Russian soldiers. Um, and Wagner is about at the, at the time of our recording, they're probably an hour or two away from Moscow central. They have, uh, they have just passed into Moscow Oblast, which is Moscow state. And there's about a two hour, uh, two hour ride into Moscow into downtown Moscow. So, Things are moving extremely fast. So you think think they're two hours away? Probably less than that now. Okay, yeah. So here's the thing that does seem to be something I I have a little bit of. First of all, it is shocking they're that moving this fast. I think think we do have to state that. Now, there are some hiccups they're going to be dealing with. It does sound like they're trying to mine bridges as fast as they can to blow them up. Yep. Um, the Russian military. Yes, we can see right now that there are excavators out there digging up the roads to create nasty holes that are you know there's only way to fix that is to fill them in um now given this is happening so fast that i mean there's even a part of me that's kind of laughed to myself they're gonna get there and they're just gonna use the excavators to fill the holes back in that's how fast this seems to be happening am i right on that absolutely yeah so 
They set up the the regime set up the roadblocks. I would not want to be the guy in the exterior digging holes and see a Fokker <laughs> column headed my way. Yeah, you're not going to outrun. I just yeah. So there's some there's some breaking news too okay. that all flights out of Moscow have been sold out as as far as two minutes well, ago. Yeah, I bet that bet so. They're not. Can they even leave? Uh, they can leave. I think they're also considering declaring martial law in Moscow. Which well, they're going to have to in 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 Russia. Um. So here, here's the situations that I feel like are the, the, the biggest tensions that we're about to witness. Um, like I said, there's the amount of bloodshed has been seem, seemingly pretty low. That, I do believe, is about to change. Um, the Okay, now we need to enter one other guy into the, into the mix here that we have talked about a little bit, and yep. that's Kadrov, right? Kadrov, yeah. Kadrov. So Kadrov is down there. Chechnya. Chechnya. And he's allied himself to Putin and he sent a column of Chechen soldiers to Rostov. Now I do believe first of all they're ironically they're dealing with traffic. Isn't that wild? And speaking of traffic, you can follow all of this on Google Maps. Which is great. No you can't. Yes you can. If you turn on the maps layer, the traffic layer in Google Maps, you can see the actual M4 highway. This is the highway that goes from Rostov to Moscow. You can see it's oh, you the can't. traffic levels you can't of that. Do this. Absolutely. This is unprecedented. This is a a real time coup of a major of a major superpower being played out on Twitter and on Telegram oh. and on Google Maps. So what do I have to what do I need to toggle so here? If you just go to Google Maps and yeah. just toggle the traffic layer. We're, um so maps.google.com and you you guys can do this too uh probably won't be able to see this if on the bottom there's a satellite and there's traffic and then if you just you know obviously go over to the uh go over to moscow uh, oh the region yep yep and you can see the the real-time traffic reports of of what's going on in in okay so there's moscow yep and you can see um, just to kind of commentary on what we're seeing here, there's the M4 highway, which is a interstate okay, that, highway. Uh, it stretches from, yeah, Rostov and and beyond all the way to Moscow and, and beyond. It is blocked off. I mean, the the state has essentially said that highway is completely blocked it off. It is completely red. Yep, yep. There's traffic. There are roadblocks set up. There are checkpoints set up. As Peter mentioned, there are... They're digging literal, just like they're taking an excavator, digging a hole in the middle of the highway, the road, to try to stop this this movement of of Wagner troops. So how can that be? Okay, that seems. My apologies, people. Here, I'm a little confused looking at this map. This seems like this is actually pretty far from Moscow. Yeah, Rostov is not. It's not. So, so they've made a, um, they've okay. made a lot, a lot of progress. All right. So, so here's on, my here's my reference back as well. Where do, while you look, can you give us? Can you give yeah, us like a, a, it's okay? So here here it is. Um, and Google is already rerouting you from, um, from the typical route, the M4 highway to the other. Um, looks like it's a twelve hour drive. It's a thousand kilometers from Rostov to Moscow, to downtown Moscow. And we went from three days 
three days in, in, and we'll take Kiev to three hours and we've taken Rostov and we're moving on. So what are they going to do, though, with all these Chechen fighters coming their way? So this is the interesting part. Um, the Chechens, quote-unquote, hate each other or hate the Wagnerites. But but there is a nuance. The, okay. The, uh, just, just reading some, some stuff on Twitter, there was actually a suspected coup between um, or agreement to have a coup with Kader. Katarov and Prigozhin in September of last year. So they might be working together behind the scenes. Again, this is all speculation at this point, but there is... I just want to know, if you're Katarov, do you want to send your guys to die against... Ironically, people who you... I mean, you might not even like them. But that's like... And obviously, it's still very different. But it's almost like, would you have the army turn on the Navy? I don't think the army can stop the Navy. Or the Navy can stop the oh, army. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's, in, that's, in that, that's what in, I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like, if you've been fighting literally in a war together. Yeah. Like you, you've, you've had a greater enemy, in their case, the Ukrainians, right? In their mindsets. Yep. Right? So if that's the case, are you going to now send... Guys, to go, your guy. So this is the part that is is so mind blowing. Is the fact that no one, no one in Russia wins here. No one. Yeah. This is civil war. Yes, and this is not quite even a frankly coup. This is a civil war outside of killing Prigozhin. I don't even, and honestly, he might even have a backup ready. Yeah, like. There's no think think of this people. When you have a civil war, it's in this case, it's Russians killing Russians. Or it's Russians killing quote unquote allies of Chechens yeah. fighting in a war. Do you think anybody is now like, oh yeah, we've had this there's clearly unrest. Okay. If it if it's getting to the point where you are turning your weapons on each other. That is unrest in any capacity, right? Yeah. People are not happy. So what do you think is more important? Are you? It's like saying, oh, I need to deal with this civil war while I have a another front that's going on right now. What do you think should be more important? It probably is like you need to take care of the stuff yeah. at home. And when that's done, are you going to have the stomach to like gear up everybody if they've just this sounds so sick. They've just slaughtered each other, you know, having battles in the streets. They've, they've been fighting in their own hometown. Yeah. Or, like, these areas that they probably all visited in some capacity. Killing people that just a month ago potentially could have even been in the trenches with them. Or they saw each other from a distance, yeah. you know, in the supply yeah. land. They're now firing at each other. Like, we've joked, like, their morale is terrible. I can't imagine what the morale would be like after this. Can you imagine being a Russian I mean, at this soldier? point, why does, if Katarov takes out Wagner, why doesn't he just keep going to Moscow again? Uh, exactly. Can, can you imagine being a Russian soldier right now in, in Bakhmut, which 
We're hearing sources. By the way, how will Ukrainians are actually taking Bakhmut back again? Katarov is going to find out something really fast that, man, people, what goes around comes around. Everybody was upset about us. And I'm not saying that we were perfect. I'm very clear on that. But the last 20 years, guess what? When you go and you're in your Chechens and you start going into Rastov, how are you going to determine who's friend or foe? Exactly. Good luck. Yeah, there's there's now three good right, luck. There's like potentially three, three different forces there. There's the the Chechens. There's the Russian military, and then there's the Wagners. Who do you? <laughs> and and some of the military is allied with with Wagner. some of the civilians are for this. Some of the civilians yep. are against this. Yep. You had video of civilians coming up and thanking the Wagners, bringing them. Uh, food and drink. I hate it when Dan Carlin starts to like ring in the back of your head. Yeah, Civil War is pretty ugly, isn't it? (laughs) Holy cow. Uh, Yeah, it's... So, to finish my thought, imagine being a Russian conscript in Bakhmut right now, and you're seeing on Telegram just pure chaos, and you're like, who... Who do we talk to? Who's our chain of command now? Yeah, exactly. And, and whose orders would you follow? Whose orders do we follow, right? And then the Ukrainians are like, "Oh, this is this is our time to move. This is absolutely our time." We are, I was listening to. Um, so, is the counteroffensive going to happen now? So this is interesting. This is this is. I was listening to a um, Twitter space, which we we actually might pull up and just kind of listen in for for a little bit. It's been it's been a fantastic. They have a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of great people talking about it. One guy, his name is Malcolm Nance. He's a U.S. I'm not. He's a soldier in the U.S. Uh, I'm not sure exactly his rank or whatnot, but he actually was fighting in Ukraine on the Ukrainian side in in this in the International Legion. Okay, and he was saying that what Ukrainians did last year in September was they sent a text message to all Russians because they know their phones and they can they can do this. They send a text message to all Russian soldiers saying, if you guys expatriate yourself from Russia, from Ukraine, we will not fight back. We will let you leave basically in peace. So I think Ukraine has two options right now for the counteroffensive. Option one is they, they know where all the Russian soldiers are at. And they send them all a text message or make it clear in one way or another that says... You guys have X hours to leave. You guys can leave in peace. We will not shoot you. We will hold back our artillery barrages and we will let you live. But you got to leave Ukraine. That's it. Option two, this is where the chaos plays a huge part in this. And and option two is where this this is essentially the breakthrough that Ukraine needs to then unleash its full counteroffensive capabilities on, on the Russian occupiers. So they've already been hitting lots of supply depots. Those ain't, those are not going to get filled back again. The roads are getting perilous right now to, to bring any supplies. And if you're a Russian soldier or a Russian commander, you're thinking... Whose side, whose supply you're bringing it to. Exactly. And you, now you're thinking, now, th- now there's chaos in the ranks. Who do we listen to? We're, we're sympathetic to Wagner because they helped us out in this offensive or... Are we, you know, we're fine with our, with our generals and with our lieutenants and, and do we listen to them? Yeah. The, 
from what we've been hearing and, and looking and witnessing on on Twitter is that um, the the authorities in some of the states in Rostov and the cities that are on the on the path from Rostov to Moscow, they have not even been able to get in contact with the Kremlin or with Putin. They don't know who to talk to. They said from Katerov. No, no, just like like governors and and mayors. Governors of the of the of the regions, they can't get a hold of. Putin. They can't get a hold of anyone there. So, so, they don't know what to do. Right. So just to clarify, we did see some potential. None of this is verified, but did see some potential reports of uh, Putin's plane flying out, and after a certain part going to north, heading slightly St. northwest of yeah. Saint Petersburg, uh, they turned off the tracking on it. Yeah. Yep. Um. So it's again not it's, sure if it's actual Putin himself. Yeah, we have no idea. He might already be gone a long time ago and this is just cleanup this is maybe medvedev or some other high-ranking officials or family that he's trying to evacuate from moscow but here herein lies herein lies the kicker he's got nowhere to go yeah he has nowhere to go maybe china no i don't even you think the chinese are China's China's not. Would you Would you want to be China. sitting underneath President Z? <laughs> China's not suicidal. And President Z's like, you know what? I can I can win big with the Americans right now. Mm-hmm. We can smooth over tensions really fast. Um. Honestly, outside of North Korea, I don't know if he can go anywhere. If he shows his face in Chechnya, listen, they might like get a. There are factions. There, listen, there's there's Chechens fighting in Ukraine right now against yeah. Russians. Yeah. There are Chechens who are part of that military who are not very happy with what Putin did to just conquer that area. I mean, they laid that place to waste. I mean, they yeah. want a job, and they they are fellow Chechens, so they are you know with each other. But like, that's the scenario that this is happening. Yeah. So I don't know where he can go. He can't go to Belarus, Belor- Belarus, or Belarus, Belarus, Belarus. Yeah. Yeah, because that guy's already left. Theoretically, they are now looking to like maybe they're going to start kicking stuff off there. Yeah, I mean, it's so quick. Run to the grocery store, buy as much as you possibly can. No, buy as nuclear much warheads are going to get in the hands of the. Listen, the, the the memes are just out of out of control. Too. Well, I mean, yeah. Ukrainians are like eating popcorn. Like popcorn's selling out in Ukraine because because of this. Listen, the scenario right now just seems to be. I do think it's important for the West to realize there are there are some things here that are not fun. So. Let's just, I'll just, I'll yep. drop the kidding for a couple minutes here. Number one, I would hate to be a Russian civilian right now. You have no idea who's going to come out on top of this. Exactly. You, I don't even think you would be happy to, to even if you're pro-Putin, are you going to be happy that the Chechen soldiers are coming up to, how are they going to know that you're pro-Putin? They have no idea. There's, yeah, there's, there's no, no way to distinguish just, that. It's pure chaos. Uh, to to kind of comment on that, like... 
I saw this video. This is so jarring. You've got <laughs> you've got a tank that pulled up to the Ministry of Defense building. This is a video I saw. And then you've got soldiers basically laying down on the ground and providing like cover fire. Yes. Then you've got behind them civilians that are live streaming and taking video of what's happening. Yes. And the guy that's videotaping this is standing behind bird scooters. Those little those little uh, motorized scooters that are all over cities. Like, what is going on? This is such chaos. Now, I, I say all that to say, the I will say this about the Russian civilians. They were out in Rostov this morning sweeping the streets. <laughs> yeah. Picking up after the and by, and by the way, it wasn't like there was carnage yesterday. No, no. this is just like they're, this is like, I'm just going to go about my daily city job duties. It'd be like if the guy came around and was like, you know, and he's ticketing all the civilian vehicles parked in the wrong spot, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what, that's yeah, what or they're, they're cleaning up from the tracks that the, the tank oh, left, okay. right? Maybe that's another, <laughs> the, yeah, they're sweet, literally sweeping the streets. <laughs> um, looking at some breaking news here. <laughs> another day in, another day in Russia. <laughs> it looks like some Russian units are pulling out of Ukraine and are returning to Russia in an effort to stop the advance of the Wagner group. So, um, another breaking news thing that I saw is that, um, some Russian troops in Ukraine are also surrendering. So some are going back to Russia, others are surrendering, and then a third faction is continuing to hold the line. So, well, aren't this, there, there? There's some. I thought I saw some videos of some people on the front line that are saying, "No, we're allied with 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 Wagner." Yeah. Oh yeah. Again, the, 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 there's like factions that are pro-Putin, pro-Wagner, yep. all on the front line right now. Yep. Yep. Um, one question that's been sort of talked about and thrown around is like, what about the nuclear weapons? Because now Wagner has control of the, the Southern command, which has jurisdiction over nuclear weapons. And people are fearing that, you know, they're going to get control of these weapons. They're going to start either launching them against Russia or against Ukraine or mishandling them. You know, there's, there's many scenarios there. Personally, I, my, my, my take on that is they're not going to do that. Um, nuclear weapons, and I'm not an expert by any you means. Would, you wouldn't win the populace. You wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, it's stupid to bomb your own people, right? Number The number one. Bom- it's, bombing it, Ukraine will still have the West retaliate. Bombing Ukraine, the winds will, are going to push all the nuclear waste towards Russia anyways. I mean, that's right. that's what predictions are saying about if, if Zaporizhia power plant gets blown up, right? The winds are just going to carry everything east. Um, and then number three, there is a chain of command that it's not just like, I'm going to press a button and, you know, we're going to launch 50 nukes and they're going to go. It's, there's a chain of command. There are special things that are put in place to stop a crazy person from doing this. I mean, and quite literally, if there's like three or four people in chain of command and somebody gives the order to deploy nukes right now on... June 24th, are you going to feel like you should press a button for a nuke right now? That's exactly now? right. That's not going to happen, right? So the, the chances of that are 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 very slim to, to almost none, I would say. I, I I will say this, though. There, I mean, I, I do understand, like, these are all things that we suspect is probably the yeah. concept. There, there may be some, There's, like I said, it's been well organized. We know that much. There's some logistics here in play. Um. 
I'm very curious to see if Katarov continues to do this, and I, and I really mean that. Also, you've got you got units coming off the front line to go fight. Now, given once again, this is something Wagner has to deal with. Like these guys are veterans. Like I, I think that's the part that I still struggle with for Wagner, and I understand like this is still a challenge for them. Is like they're going to have to deal with potentially veteran units. And all this thing that's happening on the on the road is to like buy it time. Yeah. But here's the problem. If they don't if if they do stop Wagner for getting to Moscow and buying time, you still have Wagner and Rostov seemingly fairly well equipped. Yeah. It's not like that's gonna end in twenty four hours. Like nothing can end in twenty four hours except Moscow. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I do want to talk about scenarios here, actually. Okay. So, so one of the things that I've been looking at here is a is a is a guy named Serge Sergei Sumulian. Sorry about that. Uh he is has an interesting interesting hypothesis. And and I'm just gonna read kind of what he's been saying here. Um his hypothesis is that Prigozhin is a face of a mighty FSB-led anti-Putin coup with the goal to exit the war by selling Putin to The Hague as a freedom token and to sign a peace deal. If the Stauffenberg 2.0, it, it is a Stauffenberg 2.0, saving the Reich from losing the war by eliminating the toxic Fuhrer. And this is where it's a hypothesis, it's a theory, it's a scenario. It's it's possible, but again, it's it's kind of too early to tell um, what's happening. I think there is some there's a level of accuracy to this because the Kremlin just did not respond, right? Like the the convoy should have been destroyed before even getting to Rostov. Yeah, right. Um, they weren't. After they captured the Ministry of Defense building, they should have been destroyed. They weren't <laughs> after they started moving north towards Moscow and hitting some of these major centers and cities, a couple SU 34s or 35s could have easily taken out this convoy. They weren't. And so this tells me there are some very powerful people that are saying this war was a mistake. We are trying to save our own skins and we're just going to hand over Putin or what's left of Putin's Russia. And, and that's, that's what we're right. Gonna do. But, the only thing I would say to that is, because you're right, it does seem like there's probably some people who feel this way. Could it really end that way, though? Let me clarify this. Even if you topple the government, set up a government that's more friendly. Yeah. I mean, do you think the West is going to allow that? Well, I don't know. Maybe they do it. I, maybe they would be like, okay, this is, we need to do our olive branch here in this capacity. And uh, I think the West is still going to want to persecute and prosecute the the instigators of this war because this has been um, they're not going to get away from that. Right there. There's clearly been documented war crimes. There's clearly been uh, people that have contributed to lots and lots of damage. And right. the West and Ukrainians know exactly what's going on. They know all these people. They know who they are. And so they will continue to hunt these people down so it, it won't necessarily be a, a letdown of what's going on, but it'll be, I think, 
a way to get some sort of uh, some sort of progress uh, to end or to end, to end this war. Really, I think. Okay. Yep. Now. I do want to say that... <laughs> so what happens to Crimea? Well, no, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything is on the table at this point. I do want to say that also the... We shouldn't get too excited. And this is kind of a... I struggle with this, too. I'm like, from the Ukrainian side, I'm like, this is this is kind of amazing to see this level of chaos happening to Russia itself. Like, they've... they've mm-hmm. they're. They've sowed into the wind and they're reaping it now, right? They they started this war on false pretenses on all this all, all this kind of stuff. And now they're reaping what they've sowed. And so, okay. Um, on the other side, it's like, what happens if Prigozhin is actually successful? What actually would happen? Do we have do we have uh, you know continued chaos or do we have actual stability? We don't know. But again, we just we just don't know. Um, this is developing so rapidly, and, so and, rapidly, yeah. And so many so many parties are are kind of at play at this. So do we do we have an update on Katarov? From we've, what, we've been talking about him, yeah. and I just see you know this large column to keep talking about of soldiers entering. So it sounds like they've entered. The outskirts of Rostov. I'm not sure if there's been any clashes yet. We haven't seen any any sort of uh, information on that. I do have some breaking info, though. As we're talking, there have been some major explosions in Russian-occupied city of Urdzev near Berdyansk, and a wave of Ukrainian missile strikes. So there, Ukraine is capitalizing on this. It sounds like so they are, and this is the thing I, I wanted to talk about a little bit about too. Is like. Okay, what's the Ukrainian side? What are they thinking about? Right. What are they trying to do? They obviously want to capitalize on this. This is one option is again to uh to just continue and expand this counteroffensive and start really hammering all the occupied uh territory. Um this is this is again good and bad for them because let's say that Ukraine does actually drive out either through a counteroffensive or through um, just everyone w- deciding to leave because they need to protect Russia. Now, what happens then? Well, Ukraine is going to still have a, a neighbor that is full of chaos. We don't know what's actually going to happen to Russia. Russia has, there, there's places in, 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 in areas of Russia that are ripe for seceding from Russia and creating right. their own you know they've been fighting this this sort of battle for years and years and years and they're they're ripe for creating their own way of uh life and their own state and their own economy and all that stuff there so that might happen we don't know there might be uh someone that takes over and is willing to uh, unite everyone in russia so they might be able to unite prigozhin and the ministry and the FSB and say, we're going to stop this war. We're going to stop the bleeding. Again, that's another possibility. The other possibility is that there's just chaos in Russia and this just ripples and continues to ripple more to the east. So we haven't really talked about Siberia. We haven't talked and seen any action in that area yet. This could go all the way out there. Well, maybe China wants to take back that (laughs) area they've always wanted. China's like, Vladivostok is... Is, is, is very I mean, if, right? if Vlad is out, 
Vladimir Putin is out. I mean, I have a feeling they don't have like a great relationship with Prigozhin. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Right? I don't. I don't know. I don't think he served Z at the catering hall. Yep. Looks like the uh, convoy of Wagner's is about. They have about five thousand fighters, and they're nearing Moscow. That doesn't seem like enough. um, To be honest, no, nope. And there's another potential coup in Belarus. So today is like a super historic and just chaotic day and yesterday and today. Um, and that's why we wanted to, to do this podcast. And we know it's going to well, be a lot of wrong information or just speculation. Already, right. But, but, but it's important to talk about. So if Ukraine is going to take advantage of this, I mean, at the end of the day, it goes back to... Everything is up for, I mean, the only person here who's like capitalizing on supply is probably Wagner, right? Because they'll just, they're just taking stuff and using it for their effort. And if you are on the Putin side of things, you're trying to grab stuff and take it and use it, which means the frontline guys, they're not getting more stuff. Yeah. That's not going to happen for a while. Maybe. And and then you're going to have guys that have to leave the front line go back they're in a that doesn't seem great right yeah. that does just does not seem like a good thing so um interesting yeah we're we're keeping our eyes peeled and, and open on this because anything can happen um i i for one i think i i think that this is not how I imagined the war ending um, with a coup like this, with any sort of incursion like this. But I think right. that it it sort of had to happen this way. It sort of had you to think ex- so. It sort of had to expose a lot of the the false pretenses that the war um, was started on, and and it's not like it's unprecedented right it's not like this hasn't happened before in in a way or another right there was um there was the the bombing i forget the the exact there was the wolf's bunker bombing that they tried to kill hitler if you remember in 19 i think 44 um there was a bunch of generals that would gather together somebody had a bomb and then uh the saboteurs and the collaborators uh, basically started enacting all these plans and saying this is this has happened Putin, uh, Hitler is dead and so they started um, continuing and and setting up all these uh, all these things to happen across the German government saying Hitler is dead now this person's taking charge of this thing and and so on and that didn't work out well because shortly after hours after that bombing Hitler, actually came on the radio and said, this is me, this is my voice, um, I'm alive. And that exposed all of the saboteurs and the collaborators that were trying to assassinate Hitler. They were all given either show trials or just executed on the spot. And so um, this is not unprecedented in that there is a faction within faction within faction that's working together to get uh, all kinds of folks on um, on the same page to try to see exactly what's happening. So, hmm. yeah, it is. It is interesting to just see how. Yeah, this is happening so fast. 
I, I mean, outside the death of one of these guys, it just seems like you're not going to, it's not going to end. Yeah. This is, this is right. This is like, if they, if they take Moscow, whatever that actually means, if they, you know, storm the, the Kremlin, storm the Duma or the parliament, what does that actually mean? We don't, we don't know. We don't know. And that's actually one of the big things that um, people have wondered. Uh, this is the reason why Hitler was very per- paranoid to not take Moscow initially. Yep. He wanted to avoid what Napoleon had done. Yep. Because they just burned everything in Moscow. Um, even though it is wild. They were within a mile of the Red Square, uh, Hitler's army at one point in time. Anyways. Obviously, I don't think anyone in Moscow <laughs> has near the level desire to like do scorched earth of Moscow for Wagner. I just don't see that. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening at all. So yeah. it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fight. Um, yeah. Do you want to uh, listen into this uh, t- Twitter space and yeah, maybe listen uh, in maybe, a little bit? Maybe before we do that, one quick thing. Um, I do want to note one thing though from the West perspective. I think that once again, nobody's quite talking about is. This is a big win for Biden. You think so? Explain. People have been running the thing of like, oh, we've been saying we wanted to vote. You know, they call him a crook. They call him a, hmm. you know, Biden has said these things. And given he's just been saying stuff. I mean, just called Z a dictator when he had a guy mm-hmm. over there. talk. I, that was not smart, but okay. Anyways. Basically, the statement from has come to the point of like we wish to depose Putin. Yeah. I that I just, it does seem like even if Wagner is stop stopped here, does that really mean Putin's going to stay in charge? Though. I think people keep thinking like this is it. Like he, yeah, he's got a which which goes back to where can he go? Yeah, I, I think his. The aura around Putin in the Russian minds is is, is crashing or has crashed already. Um, right. There's just no and problem. outside there's of no, Saint Petersburg or Moscow, yeah, it would probably be crashing right now. There's right? probably not a lot of confidence in in him and his leadership anymore because they see what Wagner, what Hitler, and what yeah. what uh, Napoleon could he do has fled. Remember this. He did in hours, in less than twelve hours. Say what you will about. If you don't like uh, Zelensky, okay. But you know what? Zelensky's like, I don't need a ride. I need bullets. You've seen seen this meme now? Yep. Yeah, there's the meme out that says Putin's just like, I need a ride. I don't need bullets. (laughs) I need a ride. I need a ride. (laughs) I need a ride, yeah. So he's not not sticking around fighting. By the way, Shoigu isn't either. So honestly... I, I can actually see now more and more, if you're in Moscow right now and you're like, I'm about to fight Wagner, they're going to get here eventually. Unless somehow the Air Force does something. So when they get here, am I prepared to kill these guys? Yeah. Or am I just going to be like, I'm, I'm done with this? Yeah. I've lost some friends on the front line, Um, even if I've not been on the front line myself. Like, it... the. The Ukraine war has not escaped the people completely. Yes, they've been able to live life and, and yep. do a lot of things, but there have been people who they've known have died or friends of people who know have died. Correct. 
it'd be kind of like, in my opinion, if, you know, we, our area right here is in the Southeast pocket of, of um, South Dakota. And this is true of, of a lot of places, right? You have maybe suburbs or you have like the main core of the city, whatever mm-hmm. you want to think of. And then you have like the countryside as well. And a lot of us probably grew up, well, I'll speak for myself. I grew up in kind of more of some of the country, even though it wasn't here. Um, but there was like a hub, like, you know, a city mm-hmm. that you'd go to. And so eventually when you start pulling from the outskirts, which has definitely been happening for this mobilization effort, and those people start dying, it's not like those people don't know people inside of Moscow or inside of St. Petersburg. Yeah. So they start to hear, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to think of a, a good Russian name here. But, uh, yeah, Joe's dead. There's no Joe. Ivan is dead. Ivan is dead, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, stuff like that, it, you start to, it starts to become a little more real. So, all right, let's, yeah. if you feel like we should hop in and listen for a little bit, we, let's do that. Yeah, so. I want to pop in and just, um, this is sponsored by a guy named Mario Nafal. He's, um, he's been doing this, I think, nonstop for like, 24 hours uh, or nearly 24 hours. He's probably hasn't slept in a couple. I think he's single. I think he's single. Um, Because he he does this stuff. I was listening to this yesterday and and just, just some commentary from my end before, before playing. Like there's, there's two guys in there that are just like uh, rolling my eyes. One is a dude named Jackson Hinkle. Um, If you follow this guy, this guy's a, you know, he's quote unquote, one of these, these keyboard warriors. Um, He's, I think he's, uh, I, I looked into this. He, he hates Ukraine. Um, he's very pro-Russia. Wait, he, who? Jackson Hinkle. Oh, okay. Yep. And every time this guy was talking, my blood would just boil. Because, That's right. You were saying, I don't like this. Jackson because guy. he is just, I mean, super misinformed about all kinds of stuff uh, before. But then in this, in this Twitter space that he was talking, he was just again saying, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a coup, if it's a coup, we shouldn't say that. And then everyone on there is like, it's literally a coup. It has all the hallmarks of a coup. And he just wouldn't accept reality. And another guy is Kim.com, which is the, if you throw back to, to back in the nineties, the, uh, the guy that had mega upload and he's a German that lives in New Zealand, I believe. And, Another guy that's like, oh, we don't know. We shouldn't speculate. They're super pro-Russia, super pro, um, you know, that side of things. Um, And just, they were squirming. They were, as more and more information came out, their take was just like hilarious. Because they're like, oh, we don't know. This is, you know, uh, Putin is fighting back and this is all planned and this is part of the plan. No, 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 not at all. And... I even learned something about this Jackson Hinkle guy is that he actually has a t-shirt that he was selling that was pro Wagner. Like Wagner is winning Bakhmut and like, I just, this, eh. anyways, my personal take on this guy, but, uh, but let's listen into this and I'm not sure how long we'll listen, but um, maybe we'll, we'll kind of have some commentary as, as we hear. So this is the Twitter space. It's a hundred, 10,000 people are listening in. So you guys are going to be, um, listening into this. So we'll just get that started. Convoy may have stopped, according to some reports, may have stopped yes. moving. Yeah. Uh, may have stalled. Um, again, another way to speculate is that could be due to the negotiations that are ongoing. Um, 
That would be very I mean, lucky. Okay, so Lubov, Lubov, commanders on the ground, not just the, there's, the there's also reports again in Telegram. We don't know what's true, which is just psyop and information warfare. But there's other reports that Wagner already has a presence in Moscow, like kind of like sleeper cells, and they're waiting to to for Wagner to arrive to activate. Again, th 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 this is the problem when you're trying to disseminate information in a breaking environment and what is true and what is false, what is fake news, information warfare, what is actually legitimate information. There's so much information out there that's really hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on. Uh, okay, so I've got some more information here coming in. Um, so we've got Lyubov Sobol, uh, who's a, a Russian political and public figure. Um, can you talk about her, please, also? Do you know much about uh, Ms. Sobol? I, I think before I read it, the piece. Is she the head of the, kind of the, the RT, correct? If I'm not mistaken, I might be mixing up people right now. Um, let me check. She is a member of the Russian Opposition Coordination Council and the producer of the YouTube channel, Navalny. Oh, no, 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 I do not. Okay, no, um, no, no. So not I think she's opposing... So, so Sobol is a well-known figure of the Russian opposition movement. So she said the following, urged to, oh, it's pretty extreme, extinguish Putin, taking advantage of Prigozhin's rebellion. She turned to adult men with resources, extinguish Putin right now, hand him over to The Hague, where he will be dealt with humanely. Where is she located? So the Russians Lovicky, themselves are, are FSB, having these same thoughts, check, right? Investigative to do what? Extinguish Putin. All, do not follow criminal yeah. orders, yeah. sabotage, strike, eggs. I'm guessing she's not located. Yeah, in, uh, <laughs> I'm guessing she's in, not, uh, no. In, in, uh, in Russia, um, Prigozhin now has titanium eggs, and you find your own. Okay, so it's just very anti-Putin. There's not much there, not much substance. Someone that hates Putin. Um, okay, so the dollar in some exchanges in Moscow, according to Moldova Libera, is already being sold for 200 rubles. How much is the dollar in rubles, according to the exchange? Um, Did you say 200 rubles for a dollar? Uh, okay, yeah, it's 84 rubles. Well, according to according to Moldova Libera, and some exchanges in Moscow, it's being traded for 200 rubles. Jesus, wow! So wow. many things happening. So the inflation um, is. But just we're not able to. Our, you know, I don't have. Look, guys, I don't have enough. I don't have enough team members to verify the speed in which all this is coming, uh, especially not on a weekend. But I'll, I'm just reading out and saying where it's coming from. Also, as you're trying to help, you're trying your best to help. Uh, but so the team said in the chats of Belgorod calls for some kind of. Flash bomb in support of PMC Wagner began to spread. Um, in support, what well, does that mean? Seeing a lot of uh, a, a ribbon, some sort of movement. So you're uh, saying that there's actually support in Belgorod for Wagner? Oh yeah. Um, so the some of the Russian. Um, so is this is this because Putin did nothing when they were getting? Yeah, like, yeah. So d d we talked about this in our last oh, we, episode. Yeah, we did the, talk about this last the, episode. The raid yeah. into Belgorod. Some of these uh, leaders of the of that raid, or the so again, these were Russian. Russian soldiers fighting for the Ukrainian side. They were part of the, the Russian Foreign Legion um, in Ukraine. They had a uh, excursion into Belgorod. They started attacking Belgorod, and and basically same thing happened. Nothing actually. N there was no movement from the no response from the Russian military, um, and they tried to stop them. They couldn't. And I just saw today that they are actually actively welcoming to work with Wagner, to work with Prigozhin and, and, and basically continue in Belgorod in Belgorod and moving forward to Moscow. So the factions are starting to sort of unite and, and get, get closer to that. <laughs> so this, this, this comes back to it. Yeah. How is the West going to make peace? Well, it's, I don't even know if happen, it's, I don't even, it's how it's with whom. With whom is the West? But uh, that's what peace, I mean. Like, right? how would I think yeah. they're going to make peace with Prigozhin? I don't know. I mean, this this this, this seems like something that. 
I mean, this sounds terrible, if, but if, it yeah. almost sounds like I think some people in the United States might have wished for peace with Putin over Prigozhin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that guy did some stuff in Syria to American troops, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, again, this is probably, I know a lot of Ukrainian Twitter folks and Ukrainian citizens are happy about this because this is like, you get a taste of your own medicine um, and you get to experience what we've been experiencing for, you know, what, nine years now. Yes. Um, but this is still, it's still not, it's still not a plus or, or a perfect scenario because the evil guy that's replacing the evil guy is more evil, if you will, right? He's, he's, he's just, he's done terrible things. They've done extreme, extremely horrible things to, to their own people, to their own soldiers, to Ukrainians. They've, they've leveled cities completely. And, and now we're supposed to, as Ukraine, we're supposed to have a conversation with that guy. I don't know. So I think rightly so a lot of Ukrainians are not, doing anything or, or commenting specifically on like the leadership that is in Ukraine. They're not commenting on oh, what they're going to do, what the plan is because they want to let this play out. They want to see what's actually going to continue happening. So yeah, let's. Yeah. All right. Let's listen back in. And show you we're, we're just going to be kicked to the curb uh, and that there was a potential that, you know, Russia could reunify itself with somehow uh, Prigozhin being in some leadership position in the ministry of defense. That speech was so polarizing. As soon as Prigozhin heard it, he, his hands were tied. There's no other choice now. But well, I, I just have to go back to there's just no way. There's just no way for I, – I, I just can't see – if Putin kicks Gerasimov and Shoigu out because he's forced by Prigozhin, Shoigu and Gerasimov no, are weakness. only in power because of Putin. If he kicks them out because of Prigozhin's threat, then Prigozhin's in charge even if Putin is president. That's it. Exactly. That's, he can't do no, it. No, no. Also, so I'm, I agree with that. I agree with that. There was <clears throat> any. Well, the former speech he did would have shown some form of immediate weakness. I'm saying if he gave this uh, veneer of basically kowtowing to Purgosian, and then you put yourself in a situation where you can put your forces in place, you can even try and get Purgosian arrested, but you can make a number of moves. Now what's happened is he's gone in hard, and he it looks like, based on what everybody's saying, we haven't even got the back. he hasn't even got the backup. In terms of in Moscow to even have some kind of decent, well, that would be, we're, we're getting, so we're getting like right? He, he, he can't, he right can't do that. He has to deal with uh, traders. Hold on, guys. Everyone, so, hold on. Just just also, so this is why I can use this There's, there's videos coming out right now of Wagner forces really, really walking into stores in Ross and Rostov, just yep. buying supplies, like just going to the like, ATM. They're, they're just in stores buying whatever material they want, food. Etc. And Where? I, I think it's day right now. Oh. If there's any doubt, and I think there wasn't at this point. But oh, yeah, that's going to be a siege there, no matter what. No doubt, under Wagner control, it is the base of operation for Wagner for this for this coup attempt against Putin or this military rebellion. And Rostov is the center of operations right now. They have absolute control. The videos coming out from that area clearly show it. Sorry, go ahead, Ian. I was saying that you know he can't show weakness, and he also has to keep in mind that you know he represents the Russian people, and what this represents, right? The uh, 
Wagner's uh, insurrection, it's a betrayal of the Russian people. It's not just a betrayal of Putin, it's a betrayal of the Russian people. Because so they have gone Eon, against Ian Miles that Chong is speaking, I mean, and he's to stand for Russia, and here they are. He's another one of those fight, uh, Jackson Hinkle kind of so characters that supports say, hey, Russia in, in this conflict. And Grasimov and uh, Sorovkin, like that would be unfathomable because like no one appointed Prigozhin uh, as this military leader to you know do what he's doing right now. Right, he doesn't have any official sanction anywhere like or well, Ian, or he does have but, one big support though which is the russian mums right russian mums are an infamous uh, if you cast your minds back a few months putin was filmed sitting down with a bunch of russian mothers to talk about the losses of boys and young men in body bags that were coming back from the russian front lines in a very televised you know russian typical propagandist bit of pr right my point is that he is going to be quite popular among certain members of the russian population also you gotta you gotta press the old mutual when there's i did i mean look mario we got over a hundred thousand listeners now so there's going to be some quiz because i did click it all good all good so uh 10 minutes ago approximately on a russian telegram channel's report that another helicopter was shot down in uh, what is that region? Varadar. Like the, the the another Russian helicopter as was important apparently shot down. I think that now makes seven Russian helicopters shot down, and then one IL, you know, possibly twenty two communication platform. Yeah. So that's what eight aircraft have been shot down in less than twelve hours. I think this is the biggest loss of the Russian air force. Since the beginning of this invasion, right now, in less than twelve hours, all done and executed by. We, we also have we also have a reports and a video. The military is mining bridges across the Oka, a local reservoir around Moscow. So there's mines being placed by the Russian military to uh, slow down um, the the, uh, pr the 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 advancement of uh, Wagner's forces. And the security forces drove a lot of trucks to the place, blocked the roads, and helicopters fly near the. Krutishki airfield. So just some more updates. U.S. official says top U.S. general spoke to the Ukrainian with Ukrainian counterparts. Um, nothing special there. So, so Ian, can I ask you a question? I don't, I don't, I don't disagree that Putin always has to look strong. But how is it not a strong speech that he comes out, he stands behind the podium, he looks extremely angry, and he says, "I just learned from Rogozhin. I had a discussion with him. He is 100% correct that uh, Gerasimov and Shoigu have been lying to me, and I am furious with them." I'm putting out a, a criminal, com you know, I, I'm filing them that they are now. Okay, but he didn't do that. Yeah. It's just speculation of what yeah. would have happened. Yeah. 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 No, I I just think this is a bit, uh, there's so much we still don't know. Yeah. I still want to know what happens with the forces from Katarov. To me, that's, let me put this put it this way. If Wagner can make a deal, stop, or whatever you want with the Katarov guys, at that point in time, I think he's gonna win. Yeah. So I but but otherwise he's got otherwise he's got problems in his rear while he's trying to make advances yeah. in Moscow. So looking at some recent updates, looks like in the last hour we see that um the Chechen leader uh Katarov um, actually ordered his troops to surround the Wagner mercenaries currently occupying Rostov. So they might be doing a siege to surround or to try to block them from going further north to Moscow. I'm not sure exactly, but now they're, again, not fighting just against Wagner alone. They're fighting against Wagner plus the police. Looks like the police have defected as well from, from uh, 
in in Rostov to Wagner's side. They're also fighting against the Russian military, some some formations that have defected over there. So this is uh, this is enveloping really quickly. We don't know. We don't know um, how soon this battle is, or what what kind of uh, optics this even brings to the table. But this is definitely we're keeping a very close eye on this. Yeah. Um. Looks like there's just. Again, we're watching videos, and and if you have Twitter, do yourself a favor and just just go to Twitter because that's where you can see everything in real time. Basically, um, there's panic in Moscow. Yes, there's one thing I did want to uh, point, and I'm I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm giving Prigozhin a little bit of a a little benefit of the doubt. Maybe um, I was telling Serge about this, and just want to make a note of this. Obviously, everything is chaotic. We don't know what's good or, or right or to a certain extent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like what, as a friend of the podcast, even though we may not, not know it yet, <laughs> uh, Dan Carlin would mm-hmm. say, this is a bad guy versus bad guy scenario. Yeah. And from a historical perspective, this is all happening in a spot where history has unfolded multiple times. I alluded earlier to Rommel earlier. So Rommel's idea was the create a roadblock and let the Russians break against them. To a certain extent, that is probably not too far off from where, ironically, where Bachmut was and the concept of that, and that is what had happened there. Wagner then went back. They took Rostov, which, by the way, is close Rostov, right? Sorry, I said that wrong. It's closer to Volgorod. Volgorod. Rostov, you're saying? Yeah, to the east. Yes. Volgograd, yes. Volgograd. Yeah. Volgograd is to the east of Rostov. Which so used to be yep. Stalingrad. Stalingrad, yep. Which is where, from a historical perspective, the Nazis were stopped and the Russians made their advance to the west. Yep. So let's just put, let's just put it this yeah. way. That pocket of the world right there is just having history repeat itself all over there again. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that wild? It's like the gate of chaos. But it's it's a little bit different though, Peter. Because Stalingrad was a meat grinder. The meat grinder in this case was Bakhmut. No, I well, I agree with that, but like from a historic perspective as far as like the land. Mm, sure. Um like there's going to the armies are going to be clashing ironically in this case again in that same spot and you go back even further to world war 1 1917 yeah. um when the chaos was happening inside of russia and the russian soldiers were getting putin referenced that in his speech it was so wild cuz it was almost like he was saying what happened to Russia in 1917 was a failure, which is crazy because he was basically <laughs> calling out Lenin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, because he was mad that Lenin basically gave up some territory and he, he wanted he all thought, the territory. Because he thought we would have we would have won in 1917 against Germany, which actually, in hindsight, they maybe could have just because of how Germany was taking yeah. it on the chin eventually. But... but the Russian army back then was pretty not in good straits. 
there's a, an account from Germans who were there, and they said we had a rush. You know, we had a Russian soldier come over to our trench today, sat down, chatted with us. We gave him some food. He looked really hungry, which sounds eerily familiar. Mm-hmm. He went back, and he said, "Yeah, there's there's fights in the line." And they said, like the next day, we heard shots firing, but they were firing at each other. So this is not, that's what's weird is like, this is not, it's kind of like this thing that keeps repeating itself over there. Well, to go back to what we keep talking about on this podcast, this is, this is their culture. This is their doctrine. This is how they do. It truly is like whoever can win by authority yeah. has it. The power speaks more than money, more than anything in, in the Russian society, right? By the way, if Prigozhin wins, how old is he? He does not look like a young guy. Then again, probably. He is 62 and... years old. So he's about... Oh, okay. He's so he's, about, got, he's got a little life left in him. He's then. about 10 years. Well, we'll, we'll see about no, that. No, listen, listen to... Okay, that's true. <laughs> if he makes he, it out. He's got about 10 years junior to Putin. Putin By the way, he has already. nothing to lose because for him, there's nowhere he can yeah. go. Yeah, and he's gonna either go down as a as a as a hero or as a villain, and you know what? Depending who you once ask. again, I can't believe I'm even slightly sympathetic to him right now. But I, I, when you say that, it's like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't it be? Well, he's like, this is it. This is it. I'm gonna die in the front eat now, or I'm gonna I'm gonna take down this craziness that I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, he literally stated yesterday, like you said, this Ukrainian war was not correct. Yes. I don't even know. What what example is even like slightly, you know, I, well, I'd say the back. Um, the comedian, oh man. Uh, anyways, I can't forget his name. Doesn't matter. Sorry, everyone. But like, there's this. It's just. It's just like he. It's basically like this guy that you were like, yeah. There's corruption. Mm-hmm. There's problems. And it's almost like Prigozhin comes out and says, yeah. There's corruption. There's problems. You know, I dealt with it a little bit. Also, this is completely unjust. It's almost like the guy came out of the leadership and said everything that you thought was maybe true is true. Is actually true. Yeah. You're being fooled. Yeah. That's the thing where it's like, oh boy. I'm still not gonna give him any credit because he he's the architect of of a lot of horrible, horrible things that happened in Ukraine. Well, do we know was he do we know if some of the mass grave stuff is him? I don't think we do. I don't know if we know for sure. Um, but a lot of a lot of Ukrainian soldiers died in Bakhmut. Um and even more so, Wagner soldiers died in Bakhmut. Yeah, and so he's he's at least responsible for a lot of that. Um, and all again, all over the world, this like this guy's oh, he's done some nasty. He's an stuff. evil dude. He's an evil dude. He did some nasty terrible, stuff. nasty. Yeah, Syria things. is a wreck because of that. Guy. Exactly. That's exactly right. And um, and 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 maybe for I don't know when Syria will ever recover. Quite frankly. Yeah. 
Exactly. And who's been supporting Syria? Russia. Russia. And Prigozhin specifically, right? They've been there. And so if, if you take them out of that equation, there's maybe hope for Syria to get into a better place and start rebuilding. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. That power vacuum sounds like another ripe yeah. scenario for ISIS, unfortunately. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with, people. Here's the problem we're going to deal with. Whatever happens now, a month from now, we'll understand the repercussions of yeah. that. Some good, probably some bad. He, All right. Last. Prigozhin even said here that, um, uh-huh, quote, this is it. quote one of his, <laughs> what we were talking about, his, uh, he said, we lost a huge amount of territories in Ukraine. The Russian losses in Ukraine are three to four times higher than reported by the Russian high command. Up to 1,000 casualties a day killed and wounded in action. He said that. Yep. Well, that's from that's from Rostov. He said that's that. from Rostov. Yeah. So this is this he is, said that. Yep. Today. Today. Yesterday. Today. This morning. And again, <gasps> he's just plastered all over Telegram. So f- for some Russians, this is the first time they're hearing any sort of contradictory message than than the, than what's been coming from the Russian high command. And this is the problem. You might you think of this. If you're a Russian, this is the scenario. Like we we can all identify probably internally. It's like, eh, some of our leaders we don't like trust completely. But every now and then, one of them will throw another idea, throw an idea out there that forces you to think. Yeah. Imagine being a Russian and being like, I never have known if I could completely trust everything that was being told me. And then this guy who's been on the front lines fighting is like, um, yeah, uh, it's bad. It's really bad, actually. It's worse than you've been it's told. It's worse than you've ever been told. Yep. Who? Here's the problem. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe? Are you going to believe Shoigu, who's been sitting in his comfy quarters up in this which. We, so, we which, haven't even heard, which we from haven't heard from him. Honestly, there's a part of me that actually wonders: Was he ever on like one of these planes again? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But like, or or do we believe the guy who's been on the front lines, who's had guys die underneath him consistently? Yeah. Who who are you going to trust? Oh, and by the way, your life has become worse in the last year. Yeah, sanctions have taken a toll. You can't get the stuff that you used to get two years ago. You just can't. You've lost business connections, which means your job maybe was impacted. You might you might hate the West, but the West didn't do this to you. The West didn't, you know. And then this guy's like, yeah. I I, I so my last bit on Prigozhin. I, I mean, me to try to communicate this. I actually wonder if, from a West perspective, and I'm talking like top mm-hmm. U.S. perspective, mm-hmm. the U.S. is like, we're going to stand back. Yeah. And there's a part of me that wonders if Prigozhin did not try to do somewhat of a overture to try to get it so that we don't do anything. And I'll take you back to Bakhmut mm-hmm. when uh, he captured it. There was a section where, and even some of the guys that were commenting on this, where he they find an American, mm-hmm. dog tag and stuff. Yeah, yeah, recognizes yep. American, and they they wrap him in an American flag, I think, and show and and this is Prigozhin shows him great respect. Hmm. All things considered, mm-hmm. 
And it's almost like he's, it almost seemed like he was trying to say like, you know, this, I think, I want to say he's like, this was a great fighter or something like that. It just, it's just kind of this weird scenario where you're like, he's talking about his enemy technically, but he has this level of respect. And there's this part of me that just feels like he's trying to, I mean, now, now that you look back at his speeches, you're like, oh, he was like starting to stack yeah. the chessboard. Yeah. That to me is like a, another piece where he's like, hey, here's a little overture. Yeah. That like we are, we are enemies, but I do respect you. And that's what even Putin said. He's he stabbed him in the back, and that's what he's been. He, uh, Prigozhin has been playing both both parts, right? He's been playing the the enemy, the mortal enemy to Ukraine, right? But also the truth truth bearer or truth bringer to Russia to Russian people, and he's been kind of playing this both hands. And the Ukraine thing um, that didn't work out. Bakhmut. I mean, yes, they got Bakhmut, but. At what cost? Maybe Georgia goes into Chechnya. <laughs> Are we going to carve out who goes where, Peter? Now, <laughs> I mean, at this point in time, why doesn't Moldova just be like get out? Well, well yeah, yeah. This is a great time for. I, Moldova I don't know why say, anybody in Moldova would allow the Russians to be there right now. Yeah, th- this there's is, no one in command. There's no one in command. Who are they going to? Who are they yep. going to? Who are, who's going? Who are they going to listen to? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So right. we're we're seeing kind of an unprecedented thing. And, and uh, I don't know. Do you want to land this thing? Do you? Yeah, let's do you land have, this. Do you thing. have some final thoughts? My final thoughts. Here we go. We'll give an updated podcast a little later. Prediction. If I was a betting man, who am I going to bet? Who, who I think is going to go for it? I think. My biggest, my biggest issue that when I see with Wagner. Mm-hmm. Is Katerov. I actually do feel that way. Because Katerov, if he can like put some dents into Wagner, that's not great. Yeah. It, let's put it this way. Prigozhin is doing stuff in the rear against Putin. Yep. And Putin's almost like, I'm gonna do that to you. And that's what Katerov is doing. If if the videos are true of what I see of Katarov forces, that is a lot of men. I, I don't. I mean, yeah, you can have you can have some really high high equipped guys, and I'm not saying they don't. But I also think to myself, are those guys from the front line? Are some of those guys veterans? I mean, that's just the thing. It just goes right back to Ryan Macbeth's concept. You know, the reason why they're trying to pull guys off the front line, I believe, is also because those guys are veterans. They're gonna have a better understanding of how to deal with this stuff. Yeah, totally. And nope. and that's why they're trying to get them out as fast as they can nope. for Putin's sake, actually, in this case. But if that's the case for Wagner against Katarov forces, who might be veterans, I'm a little bit concerned about what happens there. Also, Katarov I mean, in either case, Katarov or Wagner does not seem to have air superiority. Quite frankly, right now it doesn't seem like anyone does. Yeah. So the question is, where does the Air Force go here? Who do they listen to? It does seem like an airport was taken over by Wagner not not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Are there pilots? Are there is there equipment there? I mean, there's a part of me that goes, if that's the case, why don't they just turn that sucker and just at minimum make Katarov forces think a little differently? Oh. Hmm. So if that can happen, I'm saying Prigozhin does this. He's got nothing to lose. Yeah, nothing to lose. 
I think Putin still might have a plan of like, where do I disappear to? Yep. We've always suspected he has more money than anyone can even understand. Some people say he's a trillionaire. Some people say he's a trillionaire. I suspect that he might be able to go somewhere, potentially. Prigozhin can't. He's got nowhere to go except the Russian people. That's all he's got. And he's trying to win their souls right now. And he's trying to tell them truths. And will they take it? Will they accept it? Uh, That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, Shoigu? No one's ever going to listen to that man again if he's alive. Do you think so? Agreed. He's sacked. Or dead. By the end of this. And and really what Prigozhin wanted from all of this, from, from Putin, he was begging Putin to take those two down. Shoigu and Gerasimov, the, the guys that are in charge of this war. Because, whatever, he didn't like them, didn't respect them. So imagine if Putin actually listened to Prigozhin and took and sacked those two guys. Well, who actually has the power then? Yeah, Prigozhin. Prigozhin has the power, right? He's... If he can tell the president to sack... He's got the military then. Yeah, he's he's got all the power. So I think um, my final thoughts on this is this is a twist of fate. This is this is probably stranger than fiction. Um, could not have imagined it going this way. This is probably the, the beginning of the end of the war. It's going to end one way or another. Okay. Then thoughts for Ukraine. I I still think Ukraine has a good chance here. They're going to have a, a window of opportunity to do something. Yep. yep. I think they're going to have to take it. The problem I see with Ukraine is that the big thing that has really impacted the counteroffensive, in my opinion, is the amount of mines that have been deployed. Yes. Uh, that will slow down anything, and that's nasty. As a matter of fact, right now in Moscow, I kind of get the impression they're trying to lay mines and and Wagner is laying mines for Katerov right mm-hmm. now. So this is a thing that's fairly simple to deploy and can just be nasty. Yeah. Like slow stuff down at minimum. So I, I I that's my biggest issue I see for Ukraine. At the same time, this could be a scenario where the morale is so low with some troops that they just might surrender. Yeah. I and I, I'm wondering, and that's, and I think that's the part the West has got to be sympathetic for, is like these guys are like, you know what, we're done. And I don't, I don't know how how we how we treat them. I don't know what happens to them after this, because the reality is, is like some of these guys may not even have a home after the next 48 mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. They're going to come back to a different world. Different world, and. Yeah. We don't know what that world. We don't know what that world is. There's going to be mines in Russia now. That's the thing, right? There's <laughs> holes in the freeways right now to try to stop yeah. slow down forces. the The countryside is is being just. I can't imagine what that's like. Lastly, this will end done. I feel more and more. You and I, at least. All our friends who've said, uh, I don't know if I buy it, but yet we were believers. Zion was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Z- the end 
for the Russian Federation was going to come at some point in time. Yeah. There's no way, even if Putin takes over this, yeah. that will ever be the same. The The emperor has no clothes. The power has been exposed, or the lack of power has been exposed. Right. And this is, this is what I... All these Western analysts and folks that have been studying Russia, the amount of overestimation that has come from that is just shocking. They've overestimated the army capabilities of Russia. They overestimated the strength of Putin. They underestimated the strength of Prigozhin and some of these factions that, you know, that are coming out of this, right? right. And I don't listen to those guys anymore. There's just no, there's, you can't listen to them. They've had tens and decades of years of, of studying this conflict and studying Russia and, and politics, and they're still not getting it. They're not still not getting the message of guys you're dealing with. You have to understand the psyche of the people before you provide your, your assessment. And as we've been talking about in this podcast, like the, the way that the Russians choose to live in their psyche, their, uh, their mentality is so foreign to us Westerners. Yeah. And what's happening right now has been exposing that on massive levels. And there's no denying that you can see things are not okay. Things are not going to be okay. We're going to, I mean, I've been doom scrolling for a couple couple hours now i i predict i mean i'm going to continue doing that i think we're going to see something happen with moscow we don't know we're going to see something happen with putin the military command structure could all change in in a moment the fsb could also you know offer up all the perpetrators of this war on a silver platter to the west but I know for a fact that Russia, at the end of the day, tomorrow, Monday's Monday's already been declared a non-working day in Russia. Who's going who's gonna to be working this oh, week? Exactly. Well, I take that back. I saw a sweeper this morning working with an <laughs> army outside, sweeping around tanks. Clearly a different mindset and a level of comfortability. Yeah. Um, I, my heart goes out to... Um, I actually think this is what it has done for me is it has reminded me of the Russian populace and their tension that they have to deal with. Yeah. The frustration I'm sure they've had to deal with, with sanctions and things of this nature. It has hurt them. I do think they want to change. At least I think there's a good portion that wants to have a change. And I'm not saying they shouldn't even be mad at the West. I, I completely understand their understanding of why they would feel that way. But clearly, their leaders have not. Their leaders have not delivered a victory. Number mm-hmm. one, their leaders are fighting amongst each, themselves. I think that everyone is pretty clear that corruption is a real thing, and now there's a guy who's stating that. Yep, he is. That's why I got to give him a little bit of more of a benefit of the doubt between his veterancy and his honest videos that he's sending out to everyone. I don't know how you, even if he dies, I just feel like now you're in a situation where who, like you're just priming the next guy. Yeah. 
there's no good guys in this fight um from my perspective and uh although there's a lot of positive this is this is very much positive to a lot of ukrainians they they understand that the uh the shrapnel from this explosion is going to be very hard to deal with and do you deal with a quote unquote stable putin or do you deal with a chaotic Wagner or whoever, Navalny, whoever it is. I trap Putin. I trap Rogozhin. Yep. You're, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that seems like a weird way to end it, but. Yep. Um, I do. I, yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll end in this, in this note that, uh, <laughs> You should care about this. Yeah, you should. You should care about uh, what happens. Um, there are people involved. There are innocent people involved, too. Um, as there were in Ukraine, there are innocent people involved in Russia. Um, the military is not all powerful. <laughs> and I think justice will be served at the end of the day. We will see what next week brings. We will see what tomorrow brings. But keep an eye on this. We might do another emergency podcast if if it deems it deems to be deems it, deems it necessary. Deems it necessary. Uh, yeah, it's wild, hmm. wild, wild, wild. Not even twenty four hours. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this emergency podcast. I agree with Serge. This is something you should care about. This is something that will have ramifications. And just like the ramifications of long ago impact now, this will impact the future. So, yep. Everyone, take care. Stay present. Cheers. Cheers.